Thanks for tuning in to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. Hey, I want to personally invite you to our first inaugural Healthcare Thinkathon. It's a conference at the Outcomes Rocket and the IU Center for Health Innovation and Implementation Sciences has teamed up on. We're going to put together silo-crushing practices just like we do here on the podcast, except it's going to be live. With inspiring keynotes and panelists to set the tone, we're conducting a meeting where you could be part of drafting the blueprint for the future of healthcare. That's right. You could be a founding member of this group of talented industry and practitioner leaders. Join me and 200 other inspiring health leaders for the first inaugural Healthcare Thinkathon. It's an event that you're not going to want to miss. And since there's only 200 tickets available, you're going to want to act soon. So how do you learn more? Just go to outcomesrocket.health/conference. For more details on how to attend, that's outcomesrocket.health/conference, and you'll be able to get all the info that you need on this amazing healthcare thinkathon. That's outcomesrocket.health/conference. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. I thank you for tuning in again, and I welcome you to go to outcomesrocket.health/reviews, where you could rate and review our podcast, and especially today because the guest that we have today, our outstanding guest, he is a major contributor to health. His name is Steve Cisco. He's a health data technology and services servant. He's been in the game for over two decades, assisting healthcare payers, risk-bearing provider organizations, and software vendors to define, create, deploy, and transform their software platforms, products, and technology ecosystems. He's got extensive knowledge across many IT services as well as health services. He also runs the blog called the shimcode.com blog. It's a healthcare data technology and services blog where he posts a lot of his predictions, lists on what he believes are relevant to today's health IT environment. So with that being said, he also does so much more. So I want to open up the microphone to Steve to fill in any of the blanks of that intro. It's a pleasure to have you. Hey, Saul. Thanks for having me too. Yeah, I hate to say like actually about 35 years in IT, but you're right. The last 20 plus years. Yeah, three decades, right? Yeah, I, I'm a young 57. You know, I got four <laughs> kids, so they keep me young. But uh, so I've been in the healthcare IT and services in various capacities for about 23, 24 years. I started in 93. You know, I've got a long history on social media, and that's really helped me make a lot of connections, uh, connecting with people I can lean on, meeting new people such as yourself, and also people that I can reach out to and uh, help out. You know, when I need a boost, there's no better feeling than being able to help other people out with uh, no strings attached. So that's a little bit about my history. Hey, no, that's really interesting, Steve. And, and we've had a chance to connect a couple times and you definitely have an interesting story, right? Entrepreneur, grew your company, sold it and have stayed in the game since all in health. What got you interested in health to begin with? Yeah. Well, to a certain degree, sort of luck, I suppose, you know, where preparation meets opportunity. But I had been uh, working uh, commercial paper trading for First Chicago Bank in the early 90s. And uh, people that remember 1991 was sort of one of the recession eras. But I got a call out of the blue from a company that was one of the first radiology benefits management firms, uh, actually uh -huh. called 
Medicon at the time. Yeah, they're now uh, Ames Specialty Health. Uh, yeah, so I was working for them seven days after they called me. And, wow. Uh, yeah. So, you move fast. Well, it's funny because all my best opportunities, and I think this goes probably for a lot of people, come when you're not looking for them. But back then, uh, when I started with them, you know, they had 14 employees, and 18 months later, they had 300 plus. And I was the uh, I was hired as the IT director with one contract land guy. But anyhow, total immersion uh, back sure. then. Yep, back then the healthcare system, you know, was was all about managed care. People that remember, you know, the 90s, and there weren't a lot of tools and core systems out there back then, at least affordable ones. So uh, coming up on uh, 24 years later, we've come a long way. That's for sure. Long way in technology and policy and, and definitely in what providers are doing. So, Steve, you've got the history. And it's really interesting because you put up some some really interesting lists. Listeners, if you haven't had a chance, go to shimcode.com, S-H-I-M-C-O-D-E. That's where Steve puts together his lists on collections of data and, and technology and all the things that are relevant to health. So if you haven't had a chance, check that out. So Steve, you, you gather a lot of pertinent information for health leaders today out of all of it. What would you say needs to be on top of mind for health leaders today? Yeah, well, this is certainly the time of year where all these top of mind things come. You know, you mentioned this list of lists that I have out there, but HIMSS is coming up and, you know, it's conference season. But, uh, you know, keeping in mind that I'm largely on the risk-bearing side, you know, the health plan side, so financial administration, quality and measurement are my areas of focus. But I've also had a few years on pure provider side, you know, so things like clinical services, order entry, uh, procedures, precision medicine. That the, I don't have a lot of background in those, but what I would say one of the top things is hands down social determinants of health. You know, I, I like to say blockchain, so I'll say it. So if everyone wants to hear that, there, we're done. <laughs> there but, it is. Uh, that and Bitcoin, right? So, uh, That's right. But anyhow, uh, my kid's buying Bitcoin on his credit card. Mm. Oh, uh. okay. So working on, you know, I think uh, social determinants of health, you know, I mean, uh, I've been uh, really working on that as my side hustle for a while. And I could share more about that if anyone's interested. But, uh, you know, I think social determinants of health and also the idea of analytics, and I'll group everything into analytics, you know, artificial intelligence, natural language processing, all these things, but basically tools and methods to help gain insight. You know, we've got all this data now, we've got all this need, but we need the insight, both, you know, predictive and prescriptive, not just retrospective like we've traditionally had. So particularly in the area of leveraging unstructured and semi-structured data. So, and actually that sort of fits back into my uh, idea that social determinants of health are a hot topic. And that really spans not just just the, uh, you know, the health plans and, and the employer groups and the sponsors or the payers, but also the providers. And then really outside of that, areas of service provision that are not typically associated with medical procedures per se. If you can't get to the doctor's office because you don't have a ride, that's not a medical issue per se, but it's certainly going to impact your healthcare outcomes. And if you don't refill your prescription for whatever reason, 
you can't afford to co-pay, you can't get a ride to pick them up, you're confused about when you needed to do that. These are all things that fall into the realm of social determinants of health. So I'm convinced that this is uh, an area everyone needs to focus on. Absolutely. And and definitely a hot topic that's come up before, Steve. And yeah, I mean, why don't you talk to us a little bit about how your side hustle is leading to maybe implementing some of these things? Okay. So I traveled a lot for years. And in fact, about two years ago, this coming May, I was up in Portland for about close to six years straight. I mean, very little time back here in the suburb of Phoenix where I live, but I had a lot of downtime in the evenings and the weekends because I wouldn't always come home because of the overhead. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I worked on was a tool and continuing to work on this idea of measuring functional status of individuals. So we can't measure, we can't determine outcomes if we can't define the metrics and the measures that are available to help us measure those outcomes or results. So there's a lot more than just, again, the physical procedural aspects, but you know, you have, what's your environment like? What are your support relationships? What are your, the products and the technologies that are available to you? What are you, do you live in a food desert? So Historically, I've been involved with diagnosis codes. That was actually the start that my first foray into blogging was ICD-10. And because that's what I was working on at the time. Mm-hmm. So of course, I write about what I'm interested in. So social determinants of health need to be measured. And there's no standard way of measuring these things. So we have to, everyone talks about population health, but what's a population? A population is a, a group of individuals. So you have to roll up from the bottom. So what I've been working on, there's actually a, a standard set of uh, classification of functionality and disability it's going to be big with ICD-11. Yeah. So that, so this is something that, you know, I have a strong background in IT and product management, uh, data modeling, design specifications requirements. So I've been working on a complete set of what I envision as a way that companies could jumpstart their measurement and outcomes measurement needs with a tool. So actually a set of APIs to be clear, and, uh, you know, I've been working on this on and off and, and the scary and the, at once, I should say, the exciting thing and somewhat the scary, depressing thing is many people are talking about this. And historically, I've always sort of been, you know, this, this sounds sort of uh, probably pat myself on the back here and it hurts to do that. But I've seen things a few years in advance of when they happen uh, or widespread deployed, I should say. So I'm convinced that this idea of measuring social determinants of health, where we take a baseline as to people's functionality across a whole range of aspects, not just physical or or mental or behavioral, but their uh, living and their social networks are, are really big, things like that. So I'm pretty excited about it. And I'm at a point where I've identified a lot of the uh, patent and the other legal and licensing. And, you know, so I'm trying to develop a set of APIs that might be used by a wide range of systems, be they health plan or provider or vendor or whatever. So there's a couple firms out there that specialize in APIs, you know, Pocket Doc and, you know, Eligible API and a couple of these other companies. So, so I think this idea of providing APIs is sort of a uh, flexible approach where I can pivot if things change. So, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And, yeah. and without a doubt, listeners, we have an array of things that in health do not have a standard measurement. And 
like Steve's mentioning to us, uh, social determinants of health are one of them. It could be a big lever to improve outcomes. Just recently, we had a guest, Justin Barad, Dr. Justin Barad, talked to us about standardization needs for orthopedic and cardiac surgeons, right? Using VR for that. What else is out there, listeners, that is not standardized yet? And what could you do to use technology or just process to help with the standardization of that? Steve, really, really super interesting. Yeah. And you know, I've always had this idea that the government got it completely bass backwards with the <laughs> HR meaningful use. You know, they, they had everyone put in the, the software in advance of actually defining the, the standards and the use cases and the communication protocols. So, you know, certainly, you know, fire the HL7 standard and use cases are really important because one of the areas I've spent a lot of time in and, and you know, my LinkedIn profile sort of bears this up is integration and interfaces. So, oh yeah, you know, you've seen one standard, you've seen one standard because everyone codes them different. Everyone uses this segment or this loop to put something different in. So, being able to sort of reduce the variability among the so-called standards is really important. Absolutely. And in your vision, Steve, can you share with the listeners a way that standardizing social determinants of health would improve outcomes? Yeah. Well, okay. So so we have to measure things. I mean, what's an outcome really? It's the difference between a baseline or, or one stake in the ground and then the second stake in the ground. And hopefully that second stake in the ground is in a positive forward manner, but not always, right? Right. So the idea is, is that we have assessments of people. So some of these assessments, I can assess someone without them ever knowing it, right? I mean, this is unfortunately, well, fortunately and unfortunately, very common. We, we know what people buy. We know where people go. We can infer things from their activities and that. But what we need to do is there's, you know, four or five major areas of these, you know, body functions, of course, is one, but then what's, what are their activities and what do they participate in and what do they do, right? They're a long distance runner who just eats great food and goes to church every day or something, right? Oh, they're going to Mm-hmm. forever, right? But they're a crack addict who, who who lives in a box and drinks Jack for breakfast, right? Well, they might not live so long, right? So there's these activities and participation, so uh, which are, of course, influenced by environmental factors and which include not just your current environment, but your historical environment. And then you have uh, body structures and things that are different than body functions. So then you could go in there and take measurements where people lie. So, so th- these would be prioritized based on individuals or populations. But then you go in and this system that's actually out there, and I'm sort of hesitant to actually tip this, but anyone who's listened this far can easily determine what I'm talking about. But it's been out there since like 2011, 2012. And what I'm saying is, is that the new release of the International Classification of Diseases, ICD-11, is going to incorporate a lot of this stuff. So, but what I'm thinking is, is that we need to have a separate set or some complementary set that companies can use to measure things. So when, when they bring on a new member, they have an employee, they do an assessment, and then they work with that person and to determine, okay, you know, where are you light? What do you need help in? What would make your life better? You know, do you need some sort of legal services? Do you need some sort of education and training? Do you need certain types of vitamins or food or this or that? So I think being able to codify things, people get upset, oh, you can't code everything. And and CPTs are a a billing system, not a medical system. I get that. You know, ICD codes, class disease diagnosis codes are billing and use for that kind of stuff. Yeah, to a certain degree they are, but not always. And it's what we have. So I think some new way 
or some complementary way of being able to measure people's life situation. Because we all have, I mean, we all, and, and this stuff, some of this stuff is fixed and it's a one-time thing and it can go up and down. Some of it's variable. We move to new neighborhoods, uh, things happen. We have deaths in the family. We have, we win lotteries that change things. All kinds of stuff comes around to impact our, our well-being. And these social determinants health of health are critical. They really are. Steve, really great insights that you've made here. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a guest, Matt Park. He's from Dakadu. If you guys go to outcomesrocket.health slash park, P-A-R-K. He works with this company out of Zurich, Dakadu, and they measure, they have a health score. So they use body, mind, and lifestyle. But then they could bring in the, the Steve component and do social determinants of health to come up with something really interesting. Yeah, and there's some companies out there, you know, and I've heard of this that could do, I, you know, uh, Healthify here in Phoenix. There's a number of firms out there that are entering and living in this space, but my idea is is that there's really no one firm that's going to do it all because it's really a combination and it takes a village. As, as much as I'm all for the individual and, and self-reliance, yeah, sometimes it takes a village. Okay, so let's deal with it and let's use that village. So, I think that uh, some sort of a means of allowing multiple different parties to contribute and to uh, share their role in individual and a population's health, but being able to collect it on a longitudinal holistic basis, not just my little vertical slice. No, it totally makes a lot of sense and a great share. Definitely stimulating thoughts that you've got going on here, Steve. And uh, I'm excited that you're sharing it with our listeners. So give us an example of a time when you had a setback or failed and what you got out of that moment. Uh, only one? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we just no. have time for one. <laughs> all, right, all right. No, I, man, I've had, you know, I've had a lot of instances where I let my pride and, and the opinion or comments of others get in the way of uh, fully completing a, you know, a project or a deliverable. You know, you, you let comments from senior people who might not really understand the opportunity or, or naysayers. I let them get to me and I cop an attitude. So I'll show you, I'm not going to finish this. Right. Mm-hmm. So I pretty much gave up on correctly or, you know, adequately finishing a project just because someone irked me and it ultimately reflected poorly on me. And maybe that's what their uh, goal was. And I helped them succeed. So, you know, I've had in 30 something years, trust me, I've had a lot of mistakes. I mean, one of the scary or funny ones or most costly ones I ever did, I sort of hate to repeat this, but when I was just starting in IT, I was working for the Czechoslovak Society of America in Chicago. It was a fraternal organization, but anyhow, I wrote some software and I, I swapped the previous and the current values in these certificates that they sent out for paid up life insurance. And it cost about a hundred grand and they sent them out. And then I discovered the error. No one knew. Oh boy. And I had to come in and tell the people that this happened. And it just so happened that about half of them were right because the previous and the current values were the same, oh, but wow. nonetheless, they had to redo it and it was a big deal. So anyhow, you know, so there was an instance where I had to own up to something at a young age and, you know, I did. So anyhow. And so what, what pearl would you take out of that, right? You know, you mentioned a lot of really interesting things. If you had to leave the listeners with one pearl out of your experience, what would it be? Well, follow through to the end. And uh, sort of along that lines, perfectionism is very costly. 
I got a, a senior VP of a vendor that uh, works with a client of mine that I'm on the phone a lot with is always saying perfectionism is the enemy of good enough or something to that effect. So definitely follow through, but avoid being a perfectionist. You'll get to the end a lot faster. I love it. Steve, what a great message. And so many of us care so deeply about the things that we do, but in the end, we got to ship. At the end, we have to ship our idea, our product, our service. Otherwise, it won't touch the people that we want it to touch. Right. Great share, Steve. Tell us a little bit about an exciting project or focus that you're working on. Yeah. Well, I mentioned the... um the social determinants of health. So there's that, you know, that's self-funded and a side hustle and that's just sort of, uh, you know, out there. But one of the things is uh, I'm creating right now, I'm creating a set of four blog post series that each series will have about four to six posts. So, you know, about 20 to 30 posts. Okay. And right now I'm at about post number eight and they cover the topics of uh, opportunities in healthcare in 2018 and beyond primary areas of digital transformation in healthcare. One of them is about a specific engagement, advisory engagement methodology that this client offers. And then just a series on digital transformation ideas in general, not necessarily healthcare. So so I've got this blog post series. I started out thinking six, 700 words a post. My last post that I finished yesterday was 2,500, although long form posts are good, I guess, for some cases. So I've got that. So I'm writing a lot. I've also recently, uh, which was sort of fun, but it's over, is I was helping a a medical uh, real estate firm with collecting data on the earnings of the doctors and the specialists and other vendors within those facilities. So gathering up uh, different sources of data and then trying to assess, okay, what's the viability of this building based on its occupants and the money they're making based on publicly available data. So that that was pretty interesting, a little bit outside of my uh, recent experience, but also right in line with my detailed knowledge of healthcare data and then, of course, my technical abilities to map and design. Yeah, super so, interesting. Well, yeah. Steve, you're always doing some cool stuff, and it's interesting. Listeners, it doesn't matter what avenue you take toward helping improve health, you could always find a way to leverage your talents to give to this. You know, we had a guest, Gavin Teo, talk about healthcare so big, it's not really a vertical, it's an economy with $3 trillion, right, Steve? Right, spot for everyone. Yeah, so there's a spot for everybody, every talent. Steve, let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in medicine. The 101 of Steve, oh yeah. And so what we're gonna do is talk about what you believe will take to be successful in medicine. I got four questions and followed by a book and a podcast that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Okay, yeah. All right. What's the best way to improve health outcomes? Well, define exactly what your outcome is and how you'll measure it because if you don't know, you know what it is, how are you going to measure it? Keep things short and simple. Don't over-engineer. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Well, I just mentioned it earlier. I mean, avoid being a perfectionist, you know, not, and and also along that line, not letting your pride or your ownership of an idea or external, largely oftentimes uninformed people, or sometimes people with a hidden agenda, get you down or distract you. The old saying, right? Don't let people interrupt you while you're doing, the people that say you can't do it while you're doing it. Don't let them interrupt you. 
How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Yeah, well, I'm pretty much a one-man band with some resources I use, and I can't speak for my clients, but I try to stay relevant, number one, by reading, you know, voraciously, by participating in social media, by attending lots of webinars, multitasking at times, watching, listening to a webinar while I'm writing something, real-life events like the HIMSS conference two weeks from today, AHIP Institute, regional events, HIMSS chapters, things like that. Then again, I do a lot of writing and blogging. So you have to research and read and put your thoughts down. And putting your thoughts down definitely helps you think them through. What's one area of focus that should drive everything in a health organization? Well, services management. I think, you know, we have products and a lot of times those products aren't deployed right. They aren't leveraged, configured, implemented. Uh, Sharing information freely, not holding it back which hasn't always served me well, (laughs) but uh, nonetheless, it's the real me. So you got what you hear. Absolutely. And what would you say a book and a podcast you recommend to the listener, Steve? Yeah. You know, (laughs) this is corny, but I I really like the Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I read that in my late teens. My mother-in-law recommended it. And it has a a lot of practical advice. Some, some, I guess, what some people might think some spiritual or higher power advice. But, you know, I've also recently read a book called uh, Social Selling techniques, something about techniques for influencing buyers or something, but social selling, it's by a guy named Hughes and Reynolds. Uh, But it gave me a lot of good insight into the idea of the changing channels and landscape for selling. And then podcasting, there's a lot of great healthcare podcasts, but I got to tell you, I think Joe Rogan, you know, if you know who he is. uh, Yeah, I like Joe Rogan's podcasts. Very informative, very practical, just very practical, you know, and, and just like no bullshit. And, yeah. and if you're offended by it, then you probably have something wrong with you. I think. <laughs> so whatever. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Listeners go to outcomesrocket.health slash Cisco. That's Steve's last name. S I S K O. You're going to find all the show notes as well as links to the things that we've talked about with Steve things to his blog, as well as some of the pearls that he offered, including the books and the the link to Joe Rogan's podcast. All right. Steve, (laughs) this has been awesome. Can you just share one closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get a hold of you? You know, do things you enjoy, even if it means doing them for free sometimes, to use a gambling term, uh, on the come, you'll always be rewarded one way or another. Yeah. So, you know, I'm on Twitter as Shimcode, S-H-I-M-C-O-D-E. You can check out my blog, which you mentioned. And, uh, you know, you can reach me at uh, steve at Shimcode.com. And I don't really hide or block things out. So uh, if you're happy with me or if you're upset with me or if you're indifferent, you know where to reach me. Outstanding. Steve, it's been fun to have you on. I always enjoy having a conversation with you. Glad the listeners were able to join this time. So appreciate you making the time to do it. Oh, great. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast. If you want the show notes, inspiration, transcripts, and everything that we talked about on this episode, just go to outcomesrocket.health. And again, don't forget to check out the amazing Healthcare Thinkathon, where you can get together to form the blueprint for the future of healthcare. You can find more information on that and how to get involved in our theme, which is implementation is innovation. Just go to outcomesrocket.health slash conference. That's outcomesrocket.health slash conference. Be one of the 200 that will participate. Looking forward to seeing you there.